The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Happy spring, everybody, or whenever you're listening, happy whatever season it might be. It is early spring here in New York City, and it's actually acting like it, which it often doesn't. So I'm a happy camper. Just got back from the Ayurveda Health Retreat down there in Alachua, Florida, as I suggested last week. Take a look. Just go to Ayurveda healthretreat.com and check these people out. They're lacto-vegetarian, but they'll do it vegan for you. And I just have to say, the things that I learned and the insights that I gained in one week in Alachua, Florida, I just, I cannot even express. So do see what they've got going on. And even over on their blog and the articles that they have, even if you never go there, you might find some really great food for the spirit and ideas about the body as well. After the break, we're going to be doing something very different on the Main Street Vegan program. We're going to be talking about interior design. We've never done that before. We'll be bringing on vegan interior designer, Shannon Scott from California. And right now, my first guest is also out there in the Sunshine State. Her name is Kathleen Kastner. You know, I like to have people on who are new to me as well as as new to you and, and people who are different and exciting and I don't know much about. But I'll tell you something. I love it when I can have someone on that I truly know, because that way they're vetted. And when I say to you that this woman is the real deal, she is the real deal. And in the case of Kathleen, oh my gosh, I knew her 20 years ago when we were both vegan back in Kansas City, great veg town now, but then you kind of had to spell V-E-G-A-N to kind of (laughs) get the word out to people. And now she is out in Encinitas, California, near the wonderful headquarters of the Self-Realization Fellowship. Kathleen is a wellness coach and yoga instructor. She has a master's degree in exercise physiology and has been teaching Ashtanga and Vinyasa yoga for 20 years. She's been vegan since 2002 and is a certified plant-based instructor with Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. She also has an enchanting new book out called Yoga's Path to Weight Loss. 
And I emphasize yoga just because yoga means union and yoga leads to bliss. And we don't think of bliss and connectedness in terms of weight loss. But you know what? If the weight loss, if that's what you're after, is going to last, you've got to have that union and that bliss. Yoga's Path to Weight Loss, a mind-body-spirit guide to loving yourself lean. Welcome, Kathleen Kastner. Thank you so much, Victoria. I'm very honored to be here with you. I love what you're doing. I'm so grateful for you. Well, I love what we're doing, and I love what so many people are doing. I, I just had a birthday, and uh, Paul Shapiro from HSUS, who's been on the show, you know how we're all very busy, and we don't go into great flower, flowery details, and he just sent me an email, and the subject line said, I'm glad you were born, <laughs> and I wrote Aww. back and said, I'm glad we were all born, because this is the time for getting out there and changing the world for the animals and for the rest of us. So, Kathleen, just tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get to be a yogini? Well, it's a very interesting story. I was born and raised in Kansas, and after college, I moved to San Diego. I was a complete fitness person. That's all I knew. I had never heard of yoga. I had probably never heard the word universe in the context of consciousness. And I ended up getting a job. Oh, I came out here without a job, which my parents weren't very excited about. And um, I ended up finding a job in the Yellow Pages because that's what you did back then. And miraculously, I at my first job from the Yellow Pages, I had to be there at 5 a.m., which wasn't so fun coming out of college. But I met Deepak Chopra very shortly after I started this 5 a.m. job. And became his personal trainer, which was amazing. And this is back in 93. And his staff then eventually introduced me. I remember doing my first sun salutations and then going to a class. And my first yoga class when I did relaxation, Shavasana, I had a really spiritual experience. And even though I was so terrible at the class because I was so tight, because all I had done is cardio and weight for the majority of my life. So the yoga asana was so hard for me, but I felt so amazing when I walked out of there that I knew something very magical had happened and that this is where I needed to be. So I'm very grateful to Deepak because he set me on my yoga path and and little did I know that, you know, I would end up, I was a yoga studio owner in Kansas City for 16 years. I, I quit the world of fitness just to devote my life to yoga and it's just been the greatest thing that really ever happened to me. Now, that is one of those vegan miracles. You know, who gets yeah. to be Deepak Chopra's trainer? I, I am I so know. convinced. This young, that naive girl from Kansas. <laughs> when, when you are committed to doing good in the world, incredible things happen. I, I love Yeah, and he was that. amazing, and, and I still see him. And he actually looks better now than 20 years ago. He's, you know, he does his yoga I haven't talked to him if he's vegan, but he looks like he's eating more plant-based at least because he's, you know, thinner than ever and just full of energy. And I'm so grateful that the universe, you know, had us cross paths back then because Mm -hmm. it literally changed my life. Well, that's amazing. I read his book, Perfect Health, probably twice a, a year. I, oh, I, I've good read for you. It. I have it sitting here on my shelf. <laughs> it is such a classic, and I was just on Audible seeing about getting it in, in Audible. I, I don't think it's recorded. I think it's just a book, but that's all right. I'll keep reading it twice a year. So I have a question for you in that context, Kathleen, because I know in, in that book and a lot of the Ayurvedic teachings, yoga is seen to be sufficient exercise. But if someone is doing the kind of yoga that's not Ashtanga, that doesn't make you sweat, should you still be doing the Western exercise alongside that? Definitely, and that's a great question. If someone prefers more gentle yoga, then definitely you're going to have to do some cardio and some kind of resistance training, which you can still do with your own body weight if you prefer. Um, I'm a huge proponent of walking, just walking outside. They don't even have to go to a gym. Um, being in nature so therapeutic and spiritual, so no headphones, <laughs> just you and the trees and the birds and God and um, 
that to me, and, and in using your own body weight, if you'd rather just do push-ups and, and dips and things like that in your house, you don't even have to go to the gym. If you don't enjoy the gym, some, some people are into the gym and some people aren't into the gym. So it just is a personal preference. But I was a personal trainer before I became a full-time yoga teacher. And to be honest with you, my clients really struggled with their weight. You know, they could exercise so hard. I work them out so hard with cardio and weights, but the rest of it, their diet just wasn't up to, you know, just wasn't what it could be. And people were always eating too much, as I was when I was a fitness person. I could eat the house down. There was just no balance in my life when it came to food. And I watched that my clients really struggle, or maybe they would lose, they gain it back. But the interesting thing was when I started teaching yoga full time. These people just kept coming up to the front desk and they were just dropping weight before my eyes and they weren't really trying, you know. A lot of times with personal training, when someone hires a trainer, they're wanting to lose weight. So people just start yoga, love and get addicted, start coming daily, which is really important instead of just once a week, is to devote, you know, three to hopefully six days a week of practicing for an hour or more if you have the time. But I was just amazed how many people lost weight, especially just inches. You know, their clothes, you know, they had to buy smaller clothes. I watched their faces transform. And one of the number one things that happens when people adopt a regular yoga practice is their diet changes. And they definitely stop eating less animal products. And some, thank goodness, go full vegan or vegetarian a lot of the times due to the practice of ahimsa, non-harming, which is part of the yogic path. So I'm always elated when people, when it just happens organically and people don't have to try so hard and they don't feel deprived. It's just one day they go bite into something and it just doesn't taste good anymore. Mm. I think that's really true when people are doing yoga fully with the whole spiritual impact of it. My second yoga teacher... This was back in Kansas City and oh my gosh, 1969, <laughs> said, don't bother to change your diet. Yoga will change your diet. And I don't know if that works yeah. for everybody, but it's actually what, what you're describing. So in your book, and this is a beautiful book. Oh my gosh. So many weight loss books are harsh and judgmental. And yours is just sweet. Even your chapter titles, Walking in Nature is a Wonder Drug. Journaling is being pen pals with the universe for life-changing words. What are you eating? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just sweet and wonderful. So what's the connection in your mind between yoga and all these weight issues that people struggle with? Well, I think yoga really gets to the root of, of what's going on. And normally, it's lack of self-love. And when people start doing this conscious breathing that yoga teaches us. And what my teacher would say, every time you breathe, you're doing a dance with spirit so that you mm. are bringing in higher consciousness. You're aligning your mind with divine mind, universal intelligence, whatever you believe in. But things start to shift. And in my opinion, people start to see themselves and love themselves as the divine sees them. I mean, and you can't, you know, people would pay millions of dollars for that. And this just happens naturally when, again, they're practicing daily from the breath, from the movement, removing obstructions, whether they're energetic, emotional, physical, and then shavasana, relaxation at the end, really seals the deal. Mm. Because finally we're quiet in a waking state and, you know, the divine God can come in because oh. we're not thinking all the time. We're not moving. We're actually just still... And receptive, and it's just so beautiful and healing, and you feel so loved and so bathed in that divine love that no matter what's happened to you in your past or however you were raised with your family, it doesn't matter anymore because you feel so loved by God. And then when people feel that love for themselves, sorry, I'm getting emotional, <laughs> they really start to treat themselves better. They don't need to medicate with food. They don't need to medicate with excessive exercise. I had I feel like I was an exercise addict before yoga found me. And just always beating beating myself up and someone later in my life said, "Who were you running from?" because <laughs> I was a real obsessive runner. And I think of it now, I was like myself, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of unworthiness, and I'm just so 
grateful that yoga helped me. It's helped millions of people heal addictions, all kinds of addictions from just, you know, uniting the soul with God. Mm. And I love it that you talk so much about Savasana, the corpse pose, the relaxation. Last week, one of the teachers at the Ayurveda Health Retreat said, don't think that Savasana is all that easy because remember, a corpse has no tension. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, I love that. That is good, isn't it? So It's I true, wanted- it's usually the hardest it's usually, to be honest with you, the hardest pose for people. People would rather do handstands, run miles, than sit for five minutes by themselves with their feelings, you know. But if we do, you know, miracles can happen. It's, it's amazing if you can just quiet the mind chatter, we'll be still and know, and just see what happens. And it may well, not happen right away. You may do yoga years for, for me, for my husband as well. It happened right away. And... Um, it's just a beautiful experience. I hope at some point in everyone's life they will give it a chance. Mm. So you have prayer and meditation in your lovely little book. Mm-hmm. How do those affect weight loss and healthy living? Well, in medita- uh, excuse me, meditation is one of the eight limbs in the eight-limb path of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And so for me, meditation, and I've seen it help others, is quieting the mind chatter, you know, the mind just likes to think, which, of course, it's going to do, so we can't judge it. But if you train it, if you do it enough, just like you train the body in any sport or in yoga, the body remembers that you also have this memory in your mind. Kathleen, you were talking a little bit about the connection between weight loss and meditation and prayer. Yeah, I feel like meditation really helps fill the mind, again, with divine love, and it helps us. Because the mind just has this incessant need for wanting things. I have this thing. I want a donut. I want a beer. I want a cup of coffee. I need to run six miles. I want to have sex. But if we could just really be still and connect with God, that a lot of those wants will, you know, in time diminish and eventually possibly even go away so that we have more control in our lives. We have more discipline. We can make more conscious choices that are going to help us and not hurt our health or hinder us. So with weight loss, I feel like it really helps people with portion control in the foods they cho- they choose, you know, if they're going to eat poorly that day or, you know, no, I think I'll pass on that. Especially if people are in an office environment where a lot of foods brought in, donuts and cookies and cakes. And I think it just helps people be more disciplined where they will bring their own food. They'll make extra effort to go to the store, prepare their food whether they do it on a Sunday and freeze it and have it ready. And they just take a lot of time to nurture themselves instead of just go, 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 and just going with the flow, eating whatever's in front of them, drinking whatever's in front of them, doing what their coworkers do, you know, even if it's not healthy. I just think it helps people have more of a sense of self and discipline. Yeah, I think you're so right. Now, I know we lost a few minutes with the phone problem, so we're going to have to be quick, but I cannot let you go without asking about veganism and how yoga and veganism dovetail and support one another for weight loss and everything else. You know what? I am going to, um, maybe Kathleen can call back later on in the show and answer that final question about veganism and yoga. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, I'll get that answer from her, and I will put it on the show notes where I will put all of the places that you can find Kathleen, and you can certainly find her lovely book, Yoga's Path to Weight Loss, wherever Hello? books are sold. Hey, Kathleen, we're going to have to go now. I'm so sorry. Um We will talk later, and I'll get the answer to that question about veganism and yoga and put it on the show notes for folks. So everybody else, stay with us, and we'll be back after this break with Vegan Interior Design. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. 
thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. of thousands of listeners like you have been transformed through the ministry of Paulette Pipe and her program, Touching the Stillness, one of the longest-running programs on Unity Online Radio. Paulette's latest album of guided meditations, Blissful Stillness, is a new and different experience. The mystical quality of her beautiful voice will reverberate through a Zen-style meditation, a mudra meditation, which are yoga hand positions to deepen your practice, and guided meditations, which we know and love. It features a new instrumental sound by Kelly Hunt with a bonus track by Kathy Zavada. Experience a blissful immersion into quiet and stillness by purchasing your own copy at Shop. Dot UnityOnline.org. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am Victoria Moran, and you're listening to this program on Unity Online Radio. So I know you may be getting the show on iTunes or some other platform, but please remember that Unity Online Radio makes this possible. They are completely nonprofit and donation-supported out there in Missouri. So please go to their site and, and help them out a little bit. If you enjoy this show, you can help support this program and all the other programming for a better world coming from the good people at Unity. So thank you very much for that. I am really excited to have on a guest who is talking about something we have never talked about on this show and actually something that is very seldom talked about in the vegan world at all. Other than the obvious, well, duh, a vegan wouldn't buy a leather couch, do we ever think about vegan interior design? Maybe we ought to. And to that end, I am pleased to be introducing Shannon Scott, principal and founder of Shannon Scott Design. She's been vegetarian since birth and vegan for over 18 years. She says the positive environmental and social impact veganism embodies and of veganism embodies and informs choices I make as an interior designer. I focused primarily on compassionate, cruelty-free sourcing of materials and furnishings throughout my career, and our mission at Shannon Scott Design is to fund and 
animal sanctuary in the Santa Ines Valley throughout uh, through a portion of profits and fundraising efforts. Isn't that wonderful? Well, that's a guarantee of success <laughs> that you want to help the animals. And I know you're successful already, Shannon. I actually heard about you because my husband sent me a fabulous article that had been written about you. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I need to talk to that woman. And we're doing that today. Welcome, Shannon Scott. Thank you so much, Victoria. I'm excited to be on your show. It's a pleasure to have you. First, I want to ask you about being a lifelong vegetarian. I raised my daughter vegan back when that was odd. And <laughs> up vegetarian was odd, too. So tell me about that. Tell me about your parents. How did you get this from the beginning? From the beginning, yeah. I'm, I'm quite fortunate, though. I wish I was raised vegan from birth. My son has been, um, like your daughter. But uh, I was born in Big Sur. My mom, actually, at the age of six, tried to be a vegetarian. She was actually from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I know you mentioned your sponsor is. Anyway, she tried as a, as a young child, actually. She knew at that young age, and she would spit her meat in her napkin and flush it down the toilet. And so she tried, but uh, a lot of peer pressure and eventually gave in. And she was an actress and left Hollywood in the very late 60s and moved to Big Sur. She became a hippie, dropped out, left it all behind, and uh, finally uh, went vegetarian. And thus, my brother, sister, and I, she raised three of us. We were all born up in Big Sur, and we were raised vegetarian from birth. So that is the consciousness that, you know, we've been brought up with our entire lives. That's wonderful. And then the design. How did you get from um, a hippie background <laughs> to what is considered a, a very upscale sort of profession in interior design? Yeah, good question. So uh, I think it's a culmination of things. I'm one of the rare people that's known since a pretty young age what they wanted to do when they grew up. I decided when I was 14 in the ninth grade, this is what I was going to do with my life. I was standing in my bedroom, and I had done some kind of fun, funky things in there, and my stepdad had taken photographs, and I don't know. I was standing in the room. I don't even know where I necessarily knew the term interior designer, not like I had something I had followed, but I was standing there, and I said, I'm going to be an interior designer. And I never looked back, and since the fifth grade, I had been changing my bedroom around every few weeks, so... Um, it was sort of ingrained in me. You remind me of that wonderful young Japanese woman who has the giant bestsellers, the life-changing magic of tidying up, and now she has another one. And she knew from a very early age that she wanted to organize things. Interesting, <laughs> and yeah. make things neat and tidy. I think more yeah. and more people are coming to the planet with um, their, their plans already formed. So for people who are unclear about just what an interior designer does, what does one do? Great question. Uh, you know, the name or the term gets used frequently and not always necessarily uh, correctly, I would say. There's interior decoration and there's interior design. And when you're and there's a portion of decorating for sure in what I do. Uh, but decorating typically is going to be more in the essence of, you know, picking furnishings and fabrics and maybe paint, wallpaper, some window coverings, things like that. Um, and like I said, there is a part of my work that does encompass that. But I am involved in mo the majority of my projects from the conceptual stage while it is still on paper, whether it's new construction or a renovation project. I am part of the team from the beginning along with the architect and the client and the contractor and whatever other consultants are involved in the process in uh, figuring out first if the space works as uh, it has been initially designed. So if you lay out a, a restaurant or a home or a hotel, whatever the space may be, you need to understand how the client wants to actually use the space and make sure that it's going to meet those goals. So let's say that it's a hotel and you have 50 rooms and the client wants to have 40 rooms that can hold king-size beds and the rest, uh, the other 10 would be double queens. 
we need to go in and actually lay out those spaces with furnishings in plan view and see if that actually works. And if it doesn't, then is there a way that we're in the early enough stages that we can make changes to the layout or walls or expand something? Or if not, then change the client's expectation. That's sort of our first step in the process. And then from there, we move into uh, the actual overall concept. So what I do a lot of is the front-end loading of a project, understanding, like I said, all of the parameters. And then we uh, put together full construction documents for the interiors. So that will include the, the flooring finishes, the kitchens, the bathrooms, the fireplaces, bars. You know, again, depending on if it's a public space or if it's a residential space, that may vary, but we're designing the tile work and the cabinets and all of those kind of details, lighting, uh, beam work, in conjunction with the architect and in different architects and projects have different levels of involvement, but I'm heavily involved in the construction process of a project. And then there's the actual furnishings that go in on top of that and artwork and pieces like that. So it's basically from conception through that final installation when a project is done. Wow, I had no idea. I guess I, I thought it was <laughs> furnishings and the paint and the curtains. So what what's vegan? I mean what's or vegan? maybe I should ask what's non vegan. <laughs> I should start at the yeah. beginning and, and bring a place to beauty. Yeah. So there's a lot of levels and really, you know, as we talk about in, in our materials as far as Vegan and sustainability, vegan is really part of being sustainable, and as we know. And, but it's not thought of particularly in terms of, of building and furnishings and, and things like that and what that impact is. So, as you know, fashion has changed, and there's more and more ethical designers, and they're not using wool and fur and, and leather. Well, it's those same kind of elements that happen in interiors all the time. And while on one level we're seeing a lot of great, you know, faux leathers and things like that that are coming out and are really durable, uh, at the same time I, I see, you know, leather rugs coming out and, and new things with fur. And so there's sort of this rough balance of, you know, some people seem to be getting it and others to go in the wrong way, unfortunately. So, you know, it, it happens in various things, but wool is a big one, and, and that's probably one of our biggest challenges is wool, I will have to honestly say, because it's in carpets, it's in fabrics, it's in um, different, sometimes just materials may, may include wool in it, and then leather, clearly. Um, silk is in fabrics all the time. Again, it's just something, even trims, that might go on a pillow or a drapery. So it tends to be more in terms of the the furnishings that we have that issue. Though you know there there may be some element that somebody has included uh, that you know a leather wall or some horrible thing like that. Oh goodness, I had no idea. <laughs> and it is interesting. One of the things that that I have seen even in my own home, a, a feather comes out of a pillow. Oh, yes. Feathers. Like, I didn't even think about feathers at the moment. Yes. You know, I don't buy feather pillows for the bed, but for a long span of time until I noticed this, I, I wasn't looking to see, or I don't even know if it was listed, the kind of throw pillows, like for the couch. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, since being vegan, owned those things, which I certainly wouldn't have had I known. So, yes, good point. Yes, yeah. so in terms awareness. of upholstery with sofas and chairs, it's the filling as well, or a coverlet, you know, on a bed. So that's another area that that we look out for. Or they may use wool sometimes, not so much anymore, but some somebody's may use wolf wool or uh, wolf. <laughs> Hopefully not wool or even a horse hair was traditional, uh, mm. you know, a long time ago. So it's all those. It's it's like reading a food label. It's really understanding what you're buying and, and what's in things. Which there's so many hidden things or things that we just don't think about. Wow, I'm talking with Shannon Scott of Shannon Scott Design. If you have a question about interiors, give us a call eight 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 five five eight six four eight nine. 
Now, Shannon, I realize that just in, in the past couple of weeks, I've actually run into this. I've decided to put a single bed in our guest room so that I can move more furniture in there when I do Main Street Vegan Academy <laughs> so I can hold more people in a New York apartment. And I found that to get the organic futon, lots of times there's wool in there, which yeah. there almost never is in the non-organic. So it's tricky. Yeah, I ordered for my son a few years ago a queen-size latex bed that was all organic. Uh, but the company, I had to specify most of theirs did have wool. You did have the option to do it vegan, but you had to special order it that way. So, again, there's, you know, people get caught up in something being, saying it's green or eco or sustainable, it's organic, it's natural. But in with that natural, it's amazing how often there is wool. And, again, leather, which is very unnatural, which is very highly chemically processed. Uh, And, of course, we know all of the the issues around cattle and cows and and the, the whole system of it. But, uh, you know, so when you look in terms of sustainability and, and you see something marked as being this great sustainable product because it's leather, it, you know, it's, it's a joke, <laughs> really. Well, it's just like going to the farmer's market and you see, all, you know, the natural and the grass-fed and the cage-free and all this stuff. And we have information that most people don't have that uh, that's, uh, that's not green. That's just sad so um, what are your challenges then when you're going to design a vegan interior? You talked about wool being fairly ubiquitous and having to watch out for that. But do you run into challenges with clients? How does that work? I definitely run into challenges with clients. Uh, I've been fairly fortunate. I've had my business for 17 and a half years now, and I have probably 98% of the time been able to avoid the leather issue. Uh, I've kind of just steered it another way. And, of course, you know, because vegan has not been mainstream and people haven't gotten in, and, and it is changing, but, again, there's a lot of people that honestly don't care. So for me, at this point in time, you know, it's something I just do, and I do not necessarily saying to the client, oh, we want to do this because it's vegan, I make the choice based on it being vegan. And so I'm not going to recommend, obviously, a leather sofa or um, wool fabrics or things like that. The one that, when I said wool being an issue, the hardest thing is area rugs. And they are traditionally wool. Mm -hmm. And um, it's an area that I have had the biggest challenge challenge avoiding honestly and and ended up having them you know in in my interiors sometimes there's leather i don't purchase the leather now if a client has it i can't tell them they have to throw away their leather sofa unfortunately (laughs) even though i want to tell them to give it a proper burial (laughs) yes uh but you know i for the first time ever i recently had a client maybe a year or so ago and i had shown a faux leather for a sectional sofa that was going as a large home that we were doing for them. And at some point, you know, she goes, oh, yeah, it's great, it's great. And then she asked some question about it, and then she said, oh, this isn't real leather. And I said, no, it's it's a faux leather, and, you know, told her the properties of it and everything. And she said, well, what if we want to do a real leather? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. So, you know, it's tough because I obviously don't want to alienate my clients. And yet, they're, it's important to me. And so I had to think about it and how to best handle it and approach it. And I ended up, you know, emailing the client later that day and let them know that, and she's very aware that I'm vegan. Um, so, she, and so she has an understanding of it. But I, I told her that, you know, I really didn't have the sources for it. We don't specify those products, as she knows. And that if they absolutely wanted to have a leather sectional that they would have to purchase it themselves and they did unfortunately (laughs) i wish they could say they didn't but you know i had to make a decision and you know that comes out of my profit basically as a business owner because i'm selling these these products to the client but i couldn't Mm -hmm. in my mind i couldn't buy a leather sectional so right 
as you know, like I said, so often I can if there's that look that we're after, I I don't I will show great vinyls that look or or faux leathers um, that look like that I'm, leather. I'm doing that in a winery right now. I had shown a couple of them. They kept calling it, you know, the leather on the chair and this and that. And something came up. I said, no, it's actually it's a it's a faux leather and it's this this and that. Really? Oh my gosh, so beautiful! I would never know. Ah. So. You know, again, as the products are coming out more and more and there's the options, then it, it's just hard because people have, there's something about leather chairs. I don't know what it is, but people love their leather chairs. And um, so it's like, how can we give them something that has that look and feel, but without the cruelty, without being an actual animal product? And, you know, clearly education goes a long way, but as we know, we are sadly still the minority in the world, and as it's growing, that will change, and people are becoming more aware. I mean, even major clothing lines like Free People and such have what they state as vegan products yes. on their and website. I think we've had a great move forward with Tesla. <laughs> and the yes, oh, I know. I'm so Car excited. interiors. And, and the fact that it's Tesla... And not, you know, Chevy or something, nothing or against Honda Chevy. Or, but yeah, the exactly. idea that it's a luxury line that ha- has been one of the first. But there is this thing about leather, as you say. I think it's some sort of primal caveman, whether it's leather boots or leather skirt or <laughs> whatever it is. I love how Joshua Catcher, the menswear designer, speaks of Faux leather, uh, not faux leather, I'm sorry, future leather instead of faux leather. He'll say future leather, future, future suede, future wool, because that really is what we're growing into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and there's beautiful products that are out there, and they're uh, they're very durable, they're long-lasting, they're great. You know, I do a lot of hospitality work besides residential. I actually, at the moment, I'm doing a lot more hospitality. It kind of shifts back and forth for me depending on our project load. But, you know, when you're doing hotels and wineries and these kind of spaces, they're, it's really durable to use those kind of products versus mm-hmm. um, a fabric. Say. Well, um, that's even practical for vegans because many of us have companion animals in our families. Yeah. And animals get sick and things. <laughs> and I find myself getting my, my couch and uh, the chair that goes with it cleaned maybe three times a year, which could go towards a wonderful future leather couch. (laughs) (laughs) Future leather, yes, I like that. Except they think, you got to be careful, future leather. They think that means in the future you're buying leather. (laughs) Oh, no, want to do that. So tell me about your ideal client. So you have your your clients who are regular people, but love yep. <laughs> regular people, we'll call them that. <laughs> and, and then you have your fabulously irregular, but becoming more and more regular all the time vegans. So describe the ideal client in maybe both of those categories. Yeah. So I guess in your, what you, what did you call them? A regular client? <laughs> My regular clientele? And not the, uh, non, the, the pre-vegan yeah, the, pre- the pre-vegans, the non-vegans, not not vegan yet anyway. Uh, I think in terms of the non-vegan clients, you know, the ideal is just that they're open to different materials. They're not set on a specific, oh, I need a wool rug and a leather sofa. Uh, that they're just open to what is beautiful and is uh Sustainable in any realm of it. My ideal client is focused on sustainability. Is focused on on making a lighter footprint on the planet. And you know, we all know that having smaller homes is a lighter footprint. But that's you're not going to have the people who have big homes are going to continue to have big homes. That's just the reality. When it's a status symbol, it's for whatever reason, it's important to them to have a large home. They have a 5,000 or 10,000 square foot home. So if they are going to do that, which they are going to do, a certain number of people regardless are, then they at least we're making the best decisions in the materials that we're using. And so if they really want to be sustainable, then we shouldn't be using leather or wool or silk or any other animal product because those aren't sustainable products. 
And so just being open to what, like I said, is beautiful and functional, you know, form has to follow function and so, or should in any good design. So if we have a fabric or whatever it is, it, it may be beautiful, but if it doesn't function on a sofa and is going to easily stain or tear or not hold up, then that's not functional for the use. So, you know, in terms of the the standard client, I think it's just that they're open to looking at materials in that way. And most of them are. As I, said, I don't have a whole lot of clients that have preconceived notions about it, but once in a while you do. In terms of my ideal, ideal client, um, you know, would be to have vegan clients that are coming to me specifically for that reason, because they do care, because it is important to them. I don't have to explain why or argue why we shouldn't do a leather sofa or a, you know, a wool rug. In fact, I'm just working with a new vendor that has beautiful bamboo silk rugs, and they're just stunning. We're about to order a couple of them. And we had this conversation yesterday. He said, you know, it, previously he had about 80%, I think, wool and 20% other products, and it's now reversed. He's down to only about 20%. Well, he really actually wants to get rid of the, all the wool products in his line, and he knows it's more sustainable. So he's doing you know, a lot, a lot, lot, lot of bamboo, and it's gorgeous. Uh, and so it's giving me the opportunity to be able to create some rugs that are alternatives and that are stunning, and in a price point that is really comparable and sometimes even less. So we were talking about the customizing that we can do. Most of what we do is custom for every client. You know, we're, we're building it for them. So, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate. This has been my life. My life has been based on making um, decisions and from an ethical standpoint, from reading labels. And so what I... My hope is and my goal is is to create that niche market. There isn't anybody out there who's specifically doing what I do or you know, not, that, not that I'm aware of and not at the level of what I do. So we're working on that right now. We're creating um, a separate uh, brand identity and an alternate website that will be specifically based on vegan interiors where we can talk about it and promote it, where I will also still have my regular people website, yes. <laughs> as you said, which will link to that site. But, um, you know, what I don't want is to turn people off by seeing the word vegan jump right out of them and they don't understand what that means. And then they mm-hmm. think it's, you know, hippie granola and they're not going to get what they want. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, um, what is it price-wise in some of these furnishings? I know lots of times people will say, well, I can't get the clothing from these fabulous vegan designers. It just costs too much. So can it be comparable for what people in the middle are used to spending? Oh, definitely. I mean, particularly in terms of of what we're doing. So, again, I mean, with my clients, I'm designing a space for them. As I said, most of it is custom design for them. It doesn't mean that they're spending a huge amount more that it's custom. It's that we build everything to specification and specific to that project. And so it's comparable to any other, you know, product that is of a good quality. I'm not saying it's, you know, at the highest end, it's not the lowest end. I'm not, you know, somebody who's coming to me isn't wanting IKEA in their home. They're wanting a good quality product. And so in that instance, they're not paying anymore. And so just going with a choosing a cotton over a wool or, you know, a faux leather over a real leather is not costing the client anymore. Uh, I'd say, you know, little areas where there's a bit of a price difference that's so becoming less and less and, and more negligible is in things like uh, making sure the woods are sustainably sourced, you know, like an FSC certified wood product. Uh, but again, it's the industry is going that way anyway, and yes. it's, it's really more the norm now with these manufacturers to be using, you know, no and low VOC finishes on their um, products, and you know, unless you're importing it in. And, that, and that's another thing. We do try as much as possible to source 
as locally as possible, particularly California, Los Angeles, um, but definitely within the United States. There are some products that come from other areas, but we really do, and they don't have the same restrictions either. So yes. they may be much more chemically laden than um, than what we have here. Even California is much more stringent than other states uh, when it comes to the finishes they can apply on furniture. Oh, when it comes to so much, I remember being in an airport in California, <laughs> and, and the Starbucks has to post something about um, advanced glycation end products <laughs> in coffee and baked goods. Nobody else cares about that stuff. So yeah. you guys are always a bit ahead. So what is the connection, human health-wise, with the kinds of, of furnishings that we have in our homes? Well, again, what I was talking about in terms of finishes um, is is a is a big one. And for instance, just the paint you put on your walls. There's now so many great sustainable paints out there that are low VOC and no VOC. And as a standard, we specify no VOC. VOC is volatile organic uh, chemicals, um, and we. As a standard, that is what we, we specify. And, and Benjamin Moore, which is, you know, a very well-known paint company, actually has what we've found to be rated the highest quality in the no-VOC finishes. But, I mean, if you've ever walked into a building that's just been freshly painted with an oil-based paint or, you know, high-chemical paint, you, you can't stand it. I mean, it's, no. it's almost impossible to be in there. Same thing when they've just put a finish on woodwork or such. Um, with most of the the wood finishes, again, more and more, they're going, and particularly in this state, they have to. They're going to water-based finishes instead of oil, and so they're they have a much uh, they have much less off-gassing. But it's really it's all that off-gassing. It's what you smell. It's you know, I moved into an office a number of years ago, and I quickly moved in and. They painted, and I gave them the, the no VOC paint specs, and he came back and said, you know what, the, the local place didn't have it. They have a low VOC. Are you okay with that? And I said, you know what, we've got to move in. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what happened. I think one of them was the, the low VOC, but they must have used the secondary product because I was in this small little office space that only had two windows on one end. It took a year to a year and a half to stop off-gassing. We were smelling. I mean, we would open the windows. We would do everything trying to get this odor out of the space. Same thing, it's in carpets. Um, You know, one of the things that actually can be really unhealthy is carpet. Um, I think the statistic is that a carpet weighs something like three to four times more when you take it out than when you install it. (laughs) I've heard that. (laughs) It's really disgusting. (laughs) It's not real clean. (laughs) We're using definitely less and less carpet, I have to say. There are spaces that you do need, and particularly, you know, like we're we're working in a senior living community right now, and they have, you know, huge dining room spaces. And just even from a noise standpoint, they've got to do carpet. But, um, you know, we're using 100% nylon, and we're using eco-based solution on... uh, there's like an antimicrobial. So there's certain things, and it, it gets difficult when you're working on uh, public spaces as well, is that there's certain chemicals that you're required to apply. And so it's a challenge. I mean, it's it's always a challenge. But green building and, and, and LEED um, certified buildings is, is growing by the, the moment. <laughs> oh, that's and wonderful. so it, it is getting easier and easier, and the companies are jumping on the bandwagon. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, we're in a LEED certified building here in New York City, and every time I see the little emblem, it just makes me feel good. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we're yeah, doing, sure. doing something right. Shannon, this has been absolutely fascinating. ShannonScottDesign.com. And when you get the vegan site up, you'll be able to link from the regular site? Yeah, there will be um, somewhere. And we're actually going to be redoing our current site as well. We'll be updating it with a lot more information. But there will be a place that you can link over to it. And and then we will get it out separately as well. Um, okay, so well, let us know. And 
we'll give a shout out. You can also find her on Facebook, uh, Shannon Scott Design, with some hyphens in there. And I will put all the information about Shannon and about Kathleen Kastner and Yoga's Path to Weight Loss on the show notes. Just go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on podcast, and you will get a cute little drop down that says show notes. And that will just tell you how to get in touch with everybody. Thank you so much to both of our guests and to Jeff Comfort out there at Unity Online Radio for making everything work. Next week, oh, I'm so excited. Next week, the great weight debate. Did you hear about this? We're going to have one of our plant-based medical doctors. That would be um, Dr. Garth Davis. You know him. And in addition, we're going to have a lovely omnivorous physician, of the same specialty, they're both bariatric servants, sur- uh, surgeons. We're going to have Dr. Neil Flock talk about why he doesn't recommend a plant-based diet. Always good to know what other people are saying, don't you think? Well, here's what I say. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Have you ever stood by a railroad track when a fast train was approaching from a distance? As the train came nearer, the roar of the engine and the screech of the whistle seemed to rise in pitch and become louder. As it came alongside, it seemed larger than life and ready to engulf you. Then as the train passed by, the sound became lower in pitch and loudness until at last it was merely an echo in the distance. Just like that train, sometimes our experiences appear larger than life just before they pass us by. It seems they are going to engulf us, and then suddenly, they're gone. Perhaps you are in a larger-than-life situation right now. Changing your thoughts can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga.
Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. 